Hey, Christ community, greetings to all of you at our multiple campuses for those at our traditions venue, uh, as well as our West Campus that meets at Northridge High School and everyone else. We're glad that you're here. So today we are continuing our um, journey, our series through the book of Luke. We have been um, in this kind of series for quite a while, going verse by verse through this amazing book, which gives us a front row seat into this brilliant person known as Jesus. He is without question the smartest, kindest, best person who has ever walked this earth. And so we are spending time getting to know him, which means if, you're, if you've been a Christian for a, a long time or you're just exploring who Jesus is, exploring faith, this is either place, this is a great place for you to do that. The book of Luke is, gives us this powerful picture of who Jesus is. <clears throat> now, For the most part in this series, we've tried to go linearly through this book, but there are times like today when the linear thing doesn't work as well. So what we're going to do today is look at two very short standalone passages in Luke, one in chapter 19 and the other in chapter uh, 18, I can't remember, we'll get there, uh, and the other in uh, Luke 21. Um, And yet these, these separate passages, when looked at together, they give us this beautiful picture of the heart of Jesus of what Jesus values. Both of them involve encounters with a particular kind of person, a person who in that culture was often marginalized and looked down upon, and yet Jesus does neither of those things. In fact, in each case, he actually honors these people. He elevates them to almost hero status in the kingdom of God. So let's look, first of all, at Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Okay, notice who the hero of this story is. It's a woman. And not just any woman, it is a poor widow. She is the hero. She is the person that Jesus is valuing and honoring. Now, this is very significant because all of this happened in a culture where women were not valued and honored. Jewish leaders looked down on women and considered them to be little more than property. And unfortunately, in many places around the world still today, this attitude prevails in many cultures including some aspects of ours, women are viewed as objects, as subservient, as lesser than in value and importance. But nothing could be farther from the truth in terms of how God sees and how God views women. From the beginning in Genesis chapter one, we see that God created man and woman in his image and both are given dominion and influence. And what this means is that there are aspects of womanhood that uniquely reflect the glory in the image of God. And there are aspects of manhood that uniquely reflect the glory in the image of God. Neither is more or less an image bearer than the other. Each has incredible value in God's sight. 
Now, because of the impact of sin and violence that occurred in, in our world in Genesis 3 and beyond, women have since that time, they've often been mistreated and devalued, used and taken advantage of. But this has never been God's heart. Never been Gazard. And that's what I love, one of the many things I love about the book of Luke. Because the book of Luke was written at a time and in a culture where women were not treated as co-image bearers of God. As I mentioned before, women were treated like slaves, like property. <clears throat> Recent archaeologists uh, discovered a first century letter that was written from a husband to his pregnant wife that vividly shows this disparity. This is what the translation says. He tells his wife, I ask and beg of you to take care of our baby son. If you're delivered of a child before I come home, if it's a boy, keep it. If a girl, discard it. Today in Asia, there is an imbalance of 163 million more males than females. Why? Because when it's discovered that the fetus is a woman, she is often aborted. This devaluing of women was rampant in the culture in which Jesus was born. But Jesus refused to align himself with that culture, that aspect of culture. Jesus gave value to women. He treated them with respect and honor. He even welcomed women to be a part of his group of followers. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 8, it says, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. And then it goes on to, to name some of them. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. This was unheard of in Middle Eastern culture. Women traveling with men in a group. And the women were actually financially supporting Jesus and the disciples. Unheard of in that culture. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus encourages Mary to sit at his feet and learn from him. Again, unheard of. Jesus often told parables, and in his parables, many, many times, he, he included women in the parables. So, for instance, the parable of the lost coin. A woman is searching for the coin. The parable of the unjust widow. In Luke 7, when a town um, prostitute began anointing Jesus' feet with her tears, the religious leaders were appalled, but Jesus praised her actions. I mean, it's no wonder that after the resurrection, Jesus appears first to the women. <clears throat> they were the ones who had gone to the tomb to care for the body of Jesus. The rest of the disciples were in hiding. See, over and over again, we see Jesus giving women dignity and value in the midst of a culture that didn't. And this is certainly the case in the passage that we're looking at today. No one else would notice a widow giving two pennies to the temple treasury. No one else would notice her, but Jesus does. He sees her. Being a widow in that culture was a horrible situation because she would have no means of income. If she had no children, she was on her own. And so Jesus watches this woman put in two small copper coins compared to all the larger gifts that the wealthier people were giving at the temple treasury. And then he stopped, he stops and he praises her. 
this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Now, how could that be? She only put in two pennies. How could that be more than what other people put in? Well, see, Jesus uses a totally different economy when measuring the value of our generosity. So for Jesus, the value of her gift was measured in terms of the sacrifice it required. See, those two small copper coins, were that was all that she had to live on. She was giving God her last two coins, not knowing where her next meal would come from. Now, Jesus is not disparaging the larger gifts. I mean, without those larger gifts, the temple would not have been able to function. He's not disparaging those, but what he, Jesus is doing is highlighting the value of sacrifice. So what is sacrifice? I've mentioned this definition before. Sacrifice is giving up something we love for something more. It's to give up something we love for something more. This woman was giving up her last two coins because of her love and devotion to God. She was, she was feeling the weight of her gift, even though it was very small. She was feeling the weight of her gift because it cost her something. Our sacrifices, when, in other words, when we give up something in order to give to God, when we give up something in order to give to God, those sacrifices are precious in God's sight. They are valuable in God's sight. There's this fascinating story in the Old Testament, um, in, in, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 24, where David, he is king, and he wants to build an altar to the Lord. He wants to build an altar on this particular location. And so he goes to the owner of this property because he wants to get, purchase the land. And when the owner hears what David wants to do with the property, he just offers to give it to David. You can just have it. You can just have the land. So David's response is fascinating. Look at this. But the king replied to Ariuna, no, he said, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I mean, notice what he's saying. David recognized the added value of sacrifice when giving a gift to God. David wanted it to cost him something. It, he wanted it to cost something. Again, there's nothing wrong with giving out of our abundance, nothing wrong with that, but there is, there is a unique quality to a gift that requires some sacrifice on our part. Several years ago, our church was doing a financial campaign to raise money to build this sanctuary that, that many of us here are, are in right now. Some of you on video or not, obviously, but many are in this sanctuary that we were raising money to build this. And many of us are enjoying this right now. Well, a friend of mine at the time was a teacher and his wife um, didn't work outside the home. So their income was, was kind of limited. And he was already tithing 10% of his income to, to, to the church here. But he wanted to contribute to this opportunity to help build this sanctuary. So he prayed about it and he decided that during the summer, he had summers off. So during the summer, he was going to work at a local furniture place and give his entire salary to this vision. Now, in the midst of this experience, he, he said to me one day, I'll never forget this. He said to me one day, he said, Alan, every time I get a splinter in my hand from moving furniture, 
it reminds me of the nails that Jesus took for me. He said, I'm so glad to be offering this job to him as a love gift for his kingdom. I mean, what a, what a powerful perspective. See, how does this idea of sacrifice impact our generosity? Are there opportunities or levels of generosity that we have said no to? Oh, no, I can't get to that. Can't do that. We've said no to simply because they would actually, they would cost us something. They would require some sacrifice on our part. In light of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, what a, what a privilege it is to give to him a gift that require, that that costs us something. It, what a privilege to give a gift that requires us to give up something for his sake in order for that to happen. Last week, if you were here, you know, we showed a video story in the message. We showed a video story about a guy who decided to view his company through a kingdom lens. So as he and his brother, 25 years old, they were starting this company. They decided that they were going to cap their salary at what they felt like was a comfortable, reasonable level. They were going to cap their salary. And then no matter how well their company did, they were not going to increase their lifestyle. They were not going to increase their salary. So the company ended up growing at 25% per year for 20 years, from 10 employees to 1,000 employees. And they have never, these two guys, these owners have never increased their salary. Instead, all of the increases that came to them, all the increases were invested in the kingdom, generously giving to, to loving people and helping people for Jesus' sake. Now, I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there have probably been moments where he and his wife were wondering, man, we could be multimillionaires right now. We, we could be living in a way bigger house than we are. Or what drive whatever the, the, the where that was going, but their their sacrifice is real. It's real, and it's worth it. He said, um, "I heard him say this. This guy, he said, kingdom investing is way more fulfilling than consumption. It's way more fulfilling." I mentioned that last week. Same principle here, but that's how he feels about it. Yeah, it's a sacrifice, but it's way more fulfilling than just consuming more and more. So Jesus values a generosity that involves sacrifice, clearly here. And this widow provides this amazing example to, to us of this. In this example, we see not only how Jesus values generosity and sacrifice, but we also see how Jesus values women. He is not afraid to praise and acknowledge the sacrifice that this woman demonstrates in a culture where no one else notices her or values her. Now, let me, let me just add something to that. On this Mother's Day, you know, I realize there are probably lots of moms here. There are a lot of moms here who feel like your sacrifices aren't really noticed. The time and the effort that you give or you have given to your children in so many ways, the meals you prepare, the soccer practices and the swim meets that you sit through, the interrupted sleep, the late nights helping finish school projects. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that you may have never gotten a proper thank you for much of that. But I, I just want you to know, God sees, God sees every one of those sacrifices. He sees every one of them. They, they matter to him. 
So thank you for the hundreds of sacrifices you have made for the sake of your family, for the sake of your children. Okay, let's jump to chapter 18. It is chapter 18, beginning in verse 15. This too is a short passage, pretty short passage, that vividly displays a person that Jesus values and the culture didn't. So uh, verse 15, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So here we see Jesus in the midst of ministry engagement, probably a typical ministry day for him, very busy. And people were bringing their babies to Jesus um, to place his hands on them. Now, what, what the people are wanting Jesus to do is bless their children. Um, even though Luke doesn't specifically use the word bless here, that's, that's what's being described here. These parents were, 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 were wanting Jesus to lay a hand on their child and to speak a blessing upon them. Now, we're going to come back to this concept of blessing in a, in a few minutes because it's, it's a really important and biblical practice. But before we do that, I want us to feel the full weight of what's happening in this passage. While these parents want Jesus to speak a blessing over their children, the disciples don't. Luke tells us here that the disciples actually rebuke these parents. Okay, so why are the disciples responding this way? Here's why. It's because they believe that Jesus has more important things to do. Right? I mean, he can't be bothered with the needs of little children in the midst of all the important ministry that he has to focus on. I mean, he's the Messiah, for goodness sake. He has the power to heal and cast out demons and to calm a raging storm. This is God in the flesh. He doesn't have time to serve in the nursery. What are you people thinking? Keep your kids away from Jesus. He has more important things to do. See, the the disciples... Were honestly, they were just reflecting the prevailing attitude of the day, which was that children were unimportant. They were less valuable. And they should be ignored or at least set aside, you know, for more important things. Now, I, I, I just wonder how often the same attitude creeps into our society today, where children are viewed as being less important, less valuable. I mean, the fact that we still have over a million abortions done every year in this country should reveal something about how we as a society view children. If they are unwanted, in other words, if they don't fit well into our circumstances right now, just have them destroyed. I mean, the irony, of course, the tragedy is that hundreds of families are, are waiting to adopt a child, but the abortions just keep happening. But the devaluing of children goes, goes beyond that. So many children are suffering from neglect or even worse, abuse. Parents who are too consumed with their own relationships and jobs and addictions and social media time or whatever, that so many children are just ignored. They are neglected. I'm on a global scale, on a global scale, the needs of children are often overlooked. I mean, when war breaks out, when when famine hits, it's the children 
who were impacted the most. More children die in famine than adults. More children are impacted in these things. I mean, adults can survive challenges like that, often can survive challenges like that, but not infants, not little children. See, God's heart is for children. He values them, and he urges us to value them as well. How? By seeing them the way Jesus does. See, in this passage, Jesus says, let the children come to me. And don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. See, children, Jesus is saying that children reflect some very important values of the kingdom in terms of their level of trust and their humility. They are completely dependent and and open-hearted, which are huge values in the kingdom. See, God longs for us to live lives of simple trust in him, daily dependence upon him. That's what opens up the realities of the kingdom from Jesus' perspective. You can't even enter the kingdom of God without that kind of childlike faith, without that kind of dependence, trusting God's provision. Children have an amazing capacity to trust they have amazing capacity to trust. I read, I read a story about a missionary family who was on furlough. They were enjoying some R&R at a, at a friend's lakeside cabin. And as they were puttering around one afternoon, three-year-old Billy kind of wandered down to the dock to see the shiny aluminum boat that was just sort of bobbing in the water. But as he was looking there at the dock, he lost his balance and he fell into the six-foot deep murky water. The other kids screamed right when it happened. Other kids screamed. Immediately, dad was headed towards the dock and he just, he he dove in and he began to search for his son, but he couldn't, he couldn't see anything underwater. And finally, on his second trip down, so he got there, went down for a second trip. He just, he just, in desperation, just reached out his arms and his legs, just flailing to see if he could feel for little Billy. And miraculously on his way up, his arm brushed against Billy, whose arms were locked in a death grip on one of the posts of the piers, of of the pier four feet underwater. And so the dad quickly pried his son's fingers loose and they they both resurfaced gasping for air. When everything had calmed down, several minutes later, the dad asked his son, Billy, what were you doing down there? Hanging on to that post so far underwater. Three-year-old Billy immediately answered, just waiting for you, dad. (laughs) Just waiting for you. See, children have an amazing capacity to trust, and often they are waiting on us to value them, to listen to them, to protect them. Are we valuing them the way God values them? In fact, I want us to notice something. I want us to know something about these parents. What are the parents doing here? They are bringing their children to Jesus. Right? They are bringing their children to Jesus. That's how much they value their children. They want their children to experience Jesus. I mean, in the midst of our busy lives and crazy schedules, what would it look like for us as parents to give this a greater priority? To be parents who regularly are bringing our children to Jesus. 
investing in their spiritual lives every day, not just at church, where Jesus is a part of our conversations, where we are pursuing and valuing their heart, where we are praying with them and encouraging them in this life of love and this walk with Jesus, where we're helping them discover and we're processing things together, all of that from Jesus' perspective. What would it be like to be to make this a greater priority as parents? We're, we're, we're constantly just, how can I bring my child to Jesus? How can I bring my child to Jesus in this circumstance, in this situation? Which really brings us to this concept of blessing. One of the ways that we can help our children experience Jesus in a greater way is through this practice of blessing. See, these, these parents in this passage, they were bringing their children to Jesus for a specific reason. It's so that he could bless them. So, so what is this about? Now, in our culture, we use the word blessing a lot, right? And in kind of a general way, you know, be a blessing to people, you know, be blessed, all that stuff, which, which is, it means be nice and all that stuff. And that's great, but, but that's not what's happening in this passage. There is something specific happening. The word blessing, from a biblical perspective, this word blessing, it speaks of something far more substantial and impactful than just being nice. The, from a biblical perspective, Blessing, you can study this for yourself. Blessing, this concept of blessing. Blessing is a way to actually impart to another person the goodness and the favor of God. It is a way where you and I can actually impart to another person the goodness and the favor of God. It is an opportunity for a tangible spiritual impartation to this person. Now, we need to understand, a lot of times people get confused about this. We got to understand blessing, saying a blessing is not the same thing as prayer. <clears throat> they are different things. So prayer is spoken to God. When I'm praying, I'm speaking to God. I'm praying to God. A blessing is actually spoken upon a person. It is spoken to a person. So for instance, at the end of every one of our worship services, I like to pray and pronounce a blessing. They're separate things. So I might pray, hey, Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for who you are, all you've done, blah, blah, blah. Speaking to God. And then I will say something like this. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That's from Numbers chapter 6, very well-known blessing in the Bible. But notice in that blessing, I'm speaking to you. I'm not praying for you. I am blessing you. I am speaking to you. See, I want these words to actually impart God's favor and goodness into your life. This is not simply a religious thing that pastors do, or maybe others do, I don't know. But that for us, there is very real spiritual life imparted in this act of blessing. It is a mystical, spiritual, very real experience, a way to experience God and for our children to experience God. And it's something that all of us can do. All of us can do. In fact, in the Bible, we are commanded to bless others. And one of the specific emphases in, emphases in Scripture is the blessing of children. The blessing of children. That's what Jesus is doing in this passage. The people bringing their kids, they understood this concept. That's why it was so important. They understood this. It's what Jesus is doing. He is laying his hands on each child and then speaking a blessing over each of these children. And every one of us in here can do the same thing. 
especially those of us who are parents, grandparents, guardians, we can speak a blessing on our children or our grandchildren in this way. And by doing so, by doing so, we are bringing them to Jesus. We are bringing them to Jesus in a tangible way. We are imparting spiritual life and God's favor uh, into their lives, which is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. So this is something, personally, this is something I practiced for years. I heard about this concept when our children were very young, and I began to practice this for, for years. So every night before our children went to bed, I would lay a hand on them, lay my hands on them, either on their head or their shoulder, and then I would pray for them. First of all, I'd pray for them, and then I would speak, usually I'd speak the number six blessing over them. Hundreds and hundreds of times. I actually just figured it out 18 times 365, 5,000 times. Give or take a few days, right? Um, But 5,000 times I got to impart a spiritual blessing to my children. Now, please understand, this wasn't like this dramatic, spiritual, holy moment with the angels singing. No, a lot of times it just felt almost more like just a simple ritual. So it wasn't like this, you know, high kind of dramatic thing. It it sometimes just felt like just this kind of a, just a routine we were doing. But even then, when it felt like, hey, I'm just going to say this over you. Even then, I had spiritual scriptural backing. I had scriptural backing to support the idea that my words were imparting life to my children every time I did this. So I've been a big believer in this concept for years. So a few years ago, we as a church decided that, you know, instead of doing child dedications, which really didn't have any biblical precedent, we decided to start doing child blessings. And so the idea is we want to equip every parent and grandparent and guardian to speak a blessing over the children in their lives, not just once a year in church, but to make this a regular practice. So every Mother's Day weekend, we have a massive child blessing experience where every child in this building has a blessing spoken over them. It is awesome. Chaotic, yes, but also it's awesome. And so that's what's going to happen today. Now, I'm really excited that this is going to include our, um, our uh, Karini congregation and our Spanish congregation at 11 o'clock on Sunday this weekend. So, so here's what's going to happen. In a minute, don't go get your kids yet. Just hang on, I'm not done yet. But it just in a minute... Um, The worship team is going to come out and they're going to start leading us in a worship song as usual. And when they start that, we want every parent in here, or if you're in charge of kids tonight, whatever, grandparent or whatever, go get your children. So if you're out West, you parents can go directly to the Tiny Tots rooms um, where, where you checked your children in. Your Kids Connection kids will be in the lobby. At 15th Street, parents of Tiny Tots can go get them from the Tiny Tots area. And parents of Kids Connection kids can just go out to the lobby. The, 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 our leaders will bring them down to the lobby, which will make it a lot easier. Parents, you do need to bring your child's sticker. This is a regular checking out process, checking out as usual. And we want this to be a safe and secure thing. So in light of that, during the next 10 minutes or so, no one will be allowed to leave the building with a child. Once you pick up your children, 
bring them back in here with you where we will be worshiping. And when everyone is back in the room, I'm going to come back up here and and I'm going to lead us in a process where you are going to speak a blessing over your child. So every child in this room is going to be blessed. So I'm going to explain how that'll happen. But what I want to do right now is we prepare our hearts to respond and worship and blessing. I just want to pray. I want to lead us in a prayer about kind of all that that we've been hearing in this message. So pray with me here. God, um, thank you for the things that you're teaching us from your word about sacrifice and generosity, about valuing of women and the valuing of children. And we pray for our hearts to continually grow in these things. Help us grow in in sacrifice and consider it a privilege that our generosity would include sacrifices made. God, show us what that might look like. So we pray for that. And God, I thank you too for this opportunity we're going to have in a few minutes here to bless children and God, I pray, even if, if, even if people are not parents or grandparents, this is going to be just an amazing time, a cool experience for them to experience blessing as well. And so we thank you for this privilege we have to speak blessing upon people, for parents or grandparents to speak blessing upon our children or grandchildren. And so, Lord, I want to just pray for your grace. God, I, I, man, we just need grace as parents. For those of us here who are parents, man, we, we struggle with parental guilt. There are probably some here like, oh man, I wish I would have heard this 20 years ago. I could have blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I just understand all that. Lord, I just pray, God, we, we offer to you all these feelings that this message may have stirred in us about missed opportunities or about children that aren't walking with the Lord now and they're out of our home or, or people wanting to you know, have children, all of those emotions that are being stirred. And God, I just pray, I pray for your spirit to come and just minister to each one of our hearts in that place. I pray that you would move in this experience. And even if we're blessed in our heart, we're just blessing a child who's not here, a child who's not walking with you, or a child that we aborted, or we're involved in a decision like that. Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for this capacity to still speak blessing on these children that are not a part of our lives the way that we want them to be now. And so, Lord, you know the complexity of emotions in all of this. And so we welcome you into that place to bring healing and life and wholeness. And thank you, God, for the children who in just a few minutes are going to be blessed. And we pray for their hearts to be open and for you to impart amazing spiritual life and blessing upon them. We love you, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, welcome, children, uh, uh, to Big Church, I guess. Uh, We love you guys. We value each one of you. And in a moment, your parents or your grandparents are going to speak a blessing over you. It's a way for God to touch you in a deeper way. And so we're encouraging your parents and grandparents to make this a regular part of your life. Now, let me just say one thing about blessing. This is, this is, a, this is abundance. This is extravagance. This isn't, oh, I, my kids aren't here, so I can't do this with anyone else that's sitting around me, whatever. So let's just bless, you know, feel free to bless, okay? Um, if your children aren't here, 
I encourage you, maybe um, the first few times you do it, in your heart, you can, you can speak this blessing, but you know that it's for a child who maybe is not here, and that's totally cool. So also, um, if you're with a, 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 it doesn't matter how old your child is, okay? So you can do this. As, it's important to do this as parents, and so feel free to do that as well. It doesn't have to be for young children. Um, and then eventually, as we're doing this, man, you can just, if you're here with your spouse, you can do, you can speak one of these blessings over them and they can do that with you or whatever, a friend or whatever. So we can be very uh, generous with this blessing. Now, the way that we're going to do this is um, just start with your first child. And so if your both parents are here, you can just start with your first child, place your hands on them. And then um, we're going to put the blessing on the screen. Um, the, the words to the blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. So why don't we go ahead and get that up here. Um, notice, um, if you understand that last line, that's awesome. But um, we're actually uh, doing, the, you, you, doing three languages um, in our 11 o'clock service. So we're going to do this initial one with all three languages. So we're going to do English here, okay? Um, so the way this is going to work is just go ahead and uh, place your hand on your first child. And we're going to repeat this a few times so that every child can get blessed. And so place your hands on your child. We're going to do this out loud. You are imparting this blessing. I'm just going to lead you. All right. And, we're, and if you're, if you don't have a child around you, please say this. Okay. Feel free to just speak this blessing. Okay. So here we go. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's go to the second child. Here we go. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Third child, if you have that, we'll just keep going here a little bit. Uh, if you have a third child, here we go. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you have more than that, we'll let you just keep going here for a couple moments. So just kind of keep going. We'll just kind of stay in this moment. Go for it right now. We'll keep the words on the screen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Okay, God, thank you so much for this privilege and the blessings that have been imparted here. You're an amazing God, and we, we are grateful. This is not just some ritual we're doing. This is, there is something spiritual, mystical happening, and we do this with people, with our children, grandchildren, with the people around us, 
our spouse. And so we pray for this to continue, God, for um, each one of us to use this in whatever context we, we, we are given to bless, to speak blessing on people. So we love you, Lord. We praise you, God.